We call this one, Long Story Short, How I Learned to Ride a Horse. Long story short, in high school, for some reason, I decided I wanted to learn to speak Spanish, even though that seemed a daunting task, even terrifying. So, two years later, being rather tired of university life, I made arrangements to live in Chile, even though that, too, appeared totally frightening. I had to learn Spanish or starve. Starvation did not seem all that attractive, though, so eventually I learned to speak Spanish. One hot, beautiful summer day, which is really winter, because in Chile, south of the equator, the seasons are reversed, three other expats and I decided to take the day to go horseback riding up to an isolated mountain lake. We knew a local rancher who would rent horses and equipment, so off we went. Chile's mountains are glorious, much like those of central and northern California. The ranch was in the mountains not far from that lake. One of the other guys was terrified of horses, but wanted to spend the day in the cool of the mountains, so he went with us, knowing full well he would not ride. I had, essentially, no experience with horses, but how hard would it be to sit on a horse while it followed a trail up to a mountain lake? Our rancher friend inquired of us how much we knew about horses. I was the only novice, since the other two expats had essentially grown up with them. So, I asked for a gentle horse. That was no problem, the rancher said, but there was one small problem, just not with a horse. Other customers that day had taken all the saddles, bridles, and reins. Would I be willing to ride bareback with a rope for reins? I looked a little dubious, and he said he'd cut the rental fee by half. I agreed, not understanding at all what I had just agreed to, nor how wise and far-reaching my decision was. At that time, I was bigger than most Chilean men. I was six feet tall, weighed over 200 pounds, so I may have intimidated that horse a bit, maybe even scared her. Joe and Craig mounted their steeds easily. I, not so much. When I finally got on, after much fumbling and swearing, my horse and I walked around the paddock a few times, getting to know each other. What I did not realize was that while my horse and I were paddock walking, Craig and Joe had ridden off toward the lake. They were not worried about me getting lost without them since the trail to the lake was well marked. To ride a horse bareback is a talent. While it's not hard to learn this talent, it's just not one is born with. But, at a slow walk for the five miles or so it was to the lake, I figured I'd be okay. What I did not figure on, however, was the horse's independence, which she was about to show me. She was also about to teach me a great lesson. Via the improvised bit and bridle, which was nothing more than a rope tied around her lower jaw and secured with nothing more than a granny knot, I got her turned around and pointed toward the lake. At that point, she stopped. I did my best version of Giddy Up Girl. This was a Chilean horse, thus totally unconversant with the idiomatic English of Western movies. Nothing happened. She merely stood her ground. Craig and Joe were about a hundred, hundred and fifty yards ahead of me. It was not possible to hear them from that distance, but it was clear they were urging me to catch up with them. 
While I wore no spurs, I was wearing cowboy boots. So, apparently with way too much enthusiasm, I smacked my heels into her ribs. Before I could implore her with another giddy-up, she took off, this time at a dead sprint. Needless to say, I was a tad surprised. Did I mention I was also scared to death? So, in that I was a resourceful fellow, I figured I'd just pull back on the reins and she'd stop. But I did not understand the engineering of a bridle and bit. When professionally installed, a bridle and bit result in the horse's head being pulled downward when the rider hauls back on the reins. I had no bridle and bit, just a rope secured to her lower jaw via nothing more than a granny knot. When I hauled back on the reins, I pulled her head up, which apparently scared her. It scared her so badly, she started running faster. So I hauled back on the reins again. This time, that act of desperation, that act of pulling the rope, did not pull her head up. In fact, it didn't do anything at all. It merely pulled the rope out of her mouth, leaving me holding nothing more than the rope's very ineffectual ends. Now, consider the scenario. This poor, scared horse is running at a dead sprint. I have no saddle. I have no bit. I have no bridle. I have no experience riding a sprinting horse. Did I say I had no saddle? I looked down, hoping to end my terror, thinking I'll just fall off. I looked down, hoping to end my terror, and then suddenly realized that I'll never make a good stuntman. So I gave up looking down, and I chose not to fall off. Fear and desperation will make a man take unimaginable actions. So, in fear for life and limb, I grab two big hands full of her mane, lay forward on her neck, wrap my legs around her midsection as tightly as they'll cinch, and wonder why I had not updated my will. Strangely, I did not lay my head to the side, though. I kept my head facing forward, probably to see my death as it came to claim me. We rode like this, bareback, no bit, no bridle, no reins, for what seemed like hours. It was second trillion, probably not more than 30 seconds. We caught up with Craig, Joe, and their horses. As explosively as the panic started, it ended with a whimper. Mine. I let go of her mane, which now had two rather large gaps in it, sat upright, uncramped my legs from her midsection, and promptly fell to the ground. I was grateful for the pain I felt upon the impact on the gravel of that sunny and well-marked trail, since it meant I was still alive. Joe and Craig were laughing as if they had never seen anything so funny or so pathetic. As you can understand, I did not share their jolly mood. I lay on the ground bruised and hurting, breathing silent hallelujahs, while my steed contentedly munched on trailside vegetation. Eventually, I recovered enough to limp back to the ranch, followed meekly by my equine terror. Jim, who had stayed behind out of his fear of horses, came over to me when I walked back to the paddock. I had collapsed at the base of a gnarled old pine tree. I wanted to enjoy the cool of its shade and let the remainder of the adrenaline leach from my system. He crouched down to eye level, looked at me, and said, When are you going to get back on that horse? With any luck at all? Never, I promised. If you get back on now, you'll never be afraid of a horse again, he stated authoritatively. 
Is that what happened to you, Jimmy? I asked. Is that why you won't write? His simple answer spoke volumes. Yes. Now get back on the horse and ride it. And if I don't? You don't want to know. Show yourself now who's in charge, you or your fears. While all of this was going on, some other riders had come back to the ranch, so now I had a proper saddle, bit, and bridle. The rancher outfitted my nemesis properly and helped me mount. The horse and I set off, this time at a gentle walk. We never made it to the lake. About halfway there we met some German tourists and chatted. Afterwards I wanted to get back. That gentle horse and I set off on a short but peaceful return trip to the ranch. But a light bulb went off. The last hundred yards or so, I took a tight hold of the reins, again lay forward on her neck, put my weight properly in the stirrups, because this time I had some, and gave her a little encouragement with the heels of my cowboy boots. We galloped back to the ranch. Instead of afraid, I was exhilarated. What a great lesson that so-called gentle horse had taught me. After that, after I learned how to ride, after I learned how to gallop, I rode horses a lot. Back in the day, my Spanish was pretty good. It's been a long time since I've ridden a horse. Basically, I learned to speak Spanish and to ride horses by embracing my fears of both. Both were terrifying prospects that, in retrospect, were not all that daunting. We overcome our fears by facing them. Yes, we have to plan. Yes, we may have to start all over again with plan B if plan A does not work out. But if we never devise the plan, if we never execute the plan, we'll never learn if we, or our fears, are the victor. The eagles in their hit already gone sum this up really well. So oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. Now, that was a long story short. Expect more. They're coming. Thanks for listening. This is Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. If I can ever be of help to you, if I can ever help you overcome your fears, get in touch with me, Tim, at theappraisersadvocate.com. It will be an honor to work with you. It will be a privilege to help you. Thank you. We're clear.